Welcome to the Houdini RC Heli Podcast, Chapter 5.1. Today's date is 5-17-2020. This is a remake of Chapter 5 due to technical difficulties, we'll call it. Some of the difficulties were not so technical, more human-related. So, but Anyway, we'll, we'll get into that throughout the podcast. Today we have Kenny with us for the first time. Say hi, Kenny. Hey, guys. That would be the Kenny Sierra. And Brent's back. Hey, what's up, guys? Oh, happy to have the three people now. So I don't have to talk to myself. Yes. So it'll make it a little bit easier for you guys to listen to. 5.0 was pretty funny. <laughs> it was. <Five>. So, <laughs> oh, so yeah, I put on the Facebook, I explained a little bit. So. I put a video out there. So 5.0, I ended up getting drunk in the middle to the end of it. <laughs> so, and then Kenny left and then I thought I lost everything, but I actually had everything recorded and I tried to do an edit on it. That edit was okay. And then Britt and I tried the next night to do a wrap up for the end of the podcast and zoom cut me off three or four times. And then I gave up. So currently I have a actual ethernet cable plugged into my router. So zoom should not be dropping me out due to Wi-Fi inconsistencies. So that'll be a little bit easier. Hopefully I'll be able to let people in and out if they get cut, but I should not drop off the face of the earth. I'll probably try to edit in some outtakes at the end after some quiet time. <laughs> we'll see listen up for the end of the show if you guys want to do some outtakes maybe I can cut some stuff together and make it funny and not embarrass myself any more than I already have <laughs> so what have you guys been up to I'll go first my family life and work has been crazy busy I've been trying to sleep as much as possible due to mental fatigue and physical fatigue from work but Besides that, everything's back to normal. It's happy around here. People are starting to get out and get back to normal life. So that's helping the family and kids keep their brain and not kill each other around here. The end. (laughs) (laughs) Richard, does that mean that you guys are running around Austin without masks now? Uh, I always drive in my car without a mask. What about when you go in a store? Yes, I, we still wear masks going into stores at this point. Uh, I think it's going to be around for a long time just because I think personally myself, I feel like I don't want to be that person that people are looking at going, why is that guy not wearing masks? So I don't know how long that's going to be until that mindset changes for myself. We'll see in time. It's kind of the opposite where I live. It's more they look at you weird when you are wearing a mask. <laughs> there are so hmm. many people that don't wear masks right right now around here. So Yeah, we're about 50-50 around here, uh, depending on the time of day you go. If you go early morning to the store, uh, it mm-hmm. seems like it's about 80% of people wearing masks. But if you go between noon to afternoon-ish, I'd say it drops down to like 50-50. But... Yeah, I know. I, I went to Costco last week, and they it's mandatory. So there were some people that got stopped at the entrance who didn't have masks. So. That would have sucked. Yeah. <laughs> Drive all that way. I don't know how they're handling that legally with 
uh, refusing service to people. Yeah. I, I have no idea. Luckily, I, that's not, I don't have to worry about that. But anyway, that's all I've been doing. Well, in Austin, in Austin, it's a, it's mandatory, right? I'm not a lawyer. I just, I don't research stuff like that. It's just, I kind of find it odd. Anyway, not to get down my rabbit hole. Yes, I still wear a mask. <laughs> my week is done. <laughs> How have you guys been? All right. Family life's been about the same. I've uh, been getting out more. Our quarantine or stay inside order has been lifted now. So just, I think it was yesterday it got lifted. So I've been going out more a little bit. I also... The U of A, the U of A, which is University of Arizona, they were doing a antibody testing. So I got into that because I was really sick back in February or something. And uh, my wife thought I had the COVID-19 stuff, but I ended up coming back negative. So I guess the good and bad, I was kind of hoping I did have it, have it. So then I don't have to worry about it anymore, but. I would rather have had it and not known I had it and been through it. Exactly. Yeah. So I guess it was just the flu or something I was going through in February. But yeah, um, school ends next week. So I'm finishing up getting stuff packed up and moved to my new classroom. And after next week, I'll be able to get out and fly hopefully during the week too. sometimes. Nice. And you, Kenny, you still surviving? Well, we haven't announced who you are, though. Still, so <laughs> we were switching between five and five point one. So, so Kenny, we don't know who you are. Welcome to the podcast. For those of you who do not know you, this is the Kenny Sierra. How have you been, and who are you? Hey guys. Well, as Richard said, my name is Kenny. How I've been is good. It's uh, I live here in the hill country area of texas which is marble falls and the surrounding areas of course it's all considered the hill country not too far away from where richard lives but otherwise you know things have been good going to work still uh, never really got sent home over the, all this crap going on a lot of meetings about it you know but nobody i personally know has had the virus or, or anybody I've worked with has had the virus, which is good. So that gives me the opportunity, especially being in a small area, I get to fly a lot. Well, at least on weekends. But now everything's good. Great. We'll go into what have you been doing this week? What have you been flying? So, Kenny, what have you been doing? What have you been flying since you're new on the show? Well, I fly Synergy models. Uh, I'm a team pilot for Matt, Matt Botos. So I fly Synergy models, 696, 516. I'm building an E5 and soon an N5C uh, that I picked up. Anyway, those are the models that I fly every, every week. Usually, I've been flying out here at a local field to me. It's about 20 minutes from my house, 25 minutes. But since... Somewhere around 2003, I guess. I've been driving back and forth to Austin almost every Saturday of every week. Uh, sometimes Thursdays, or not Thursdays, but sometimes Sundays. 
flying here locally has been a well-needed break from traveling back and forth to Austin to go fly. I nice. made a I made a comment to uh, a buddy of mine. I guess it was last weekend that I've enjoyed just running out to the field and then coming back to the house. Not having to drive an hour and a half. And not having to drive an hour and a half. So you figure every Saturday, uh, let's say probably between 85% of, somewhere around 85% of all Saturdays throughout the entire year, I've driven to Austin to go fly around 2003. So I'd say I'm fairly committed. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe I need to be committed, but yeah, I'm committed. Yeah, I don't think Kenny's going to be leaving the hobby anytime soon. No, no, I have no intent of that. But yeah, that's that's what that's what I do. Yeah, we'll we're going to ask Kenny about solder stuff and so forth and so on. We'll do that in the main topic. But Kenny, a little bit more knowledgeable about solder and stuff than the most of us, and that was my phone. So bar barbecuing at the field, Kenny's been doing barbecuing at the field for a while now since he's close to his house. Is there any do's and don'ts you can give pointers to us? Well, make sure it's simple. What do you mean by simple? Well, at the field that I've been flying at, there's not a barbecue pit that's easily accessible. I could probably get in one. It's locked up in the room and then you have to drag it out and it's just a pain in the back end. So I've got a small little Weber portable that uses the little uh, uh, gas bottles to, uh, that you screw into the side. The Coleman propane yeah, Coleman, camper. Yes. Camper and, bottle. Uh, so I've cooked burgers almost every time that uh, we've gone out to the field there in Kingsland except for the one time that Richard came out, which has been two Saturdays ago. Richard came out and flew with us that day, and I didn't realize he was coming out, and, and uh, the buddy of mine, so he, him and I split up bringing burgers. I have the grill already, and we do the whole thing, I, uh, cooking burgers on, on the grill. There's actually a video on Facebook that I posted and that was when uh, Sloan Richards, or Richard Sloan, we call him Sloan, came out to the field with us. And I was flipping the burgers, and, and he was videoing in slow motion and had the whole fire effect. It was cool. Yeah, that was a really, really neat, really neat video. Uh, but, you know, with, all, with this COVID thing and not being able to go in town and go to a restaurant in the afternoons, which... I've been doing on Saturdays for 15 plus years, eating most of the time in Austin on Saturday after flying. Now we're cooking at the field. Yeah, at least so, you get some more flying in. Yeah, what's happened is we usually go out to the field early in the morning and we fly till anywhere from 1.30 to 2.30 in the afternoon and then we pack everything up and we go eat and then I drive my hour and a half depending on traffic back to the house uh, but now we're going out to the field early in the morning and we're flying till late in the evening usually uh, this 
to today uh, we went out and flew and I actually I had to leave early so that way I could make this podcast <laughs> yay yeah I saw a Facebook post of Kenny out flying with a buddy of ours and I was like <laughs> I sure hope he makes it home if not we're doing it without him <laughs> we're yeah. skipping five and just going straight to six <laughs> yeah actually last weekend I flew both Saturday and Sunday we flew all days on uh, Saturday and then on Sunday I you know I'm here at the house my wife had to work that day and I decided you know what Richard said something about going to the field on Saturday on Sunday and there's no church or anything you know I'm just sitting here I'm by myself what the heck so I packed everything up and and I hooked him out to the field in Georgetown which is about an hour and a half away from my house a little less and I met up with a couple other buddies and met some new friends nice uh, and then and then uh, I got to do something that Richard asked me to actually challenged me to do and I posted that last week on the, on Facebook yeah Kenny Kenny doesn't like to do the simulator call call outs he wants to show everybody up and do it in real life <laughs> <laughs> hey I got it done he wants to be like JC <laughs> I said you want to be like JC Zink doing his pyro loops I think he did I think it was pyro loops that he got called for he did pyro loops yeah those are perfectly ginormous pyro loops yes that's cool and I, and I did pirouetting flips yeah I definitely like the call out challenge that people have been doing it starts to push people a, a little bit more yeah it it was uh, I've never done that before and so I think it's awesome that that people are doing that if you can't get to the field you know to try to keep your skill set sharpened up and then if you can get to the field you know it gives that much more flavor or more excitement yeah definitely so who are some of the pilots that you've flown with in in the past as far as that have helped you grow into the hobby uh well i would say that the first person that i met uh would have to be there was a couple of guys before him but uh, would be the scientist and then uh, so the we've been flying a long time together we'll just leave it at that that's cool the um, after that the two people that have the most effect on uh, my flying and pushing myself would be Curtis and Nick Curtis Youngblood and Nick Maxwell. I flew for Curtis for several years. Uh, and while Nick was, it, this is after, the, after I got on the team, Nick was brought on to the team as a team pilot, and then he was eventually moved up to team captain. And uh, so those two guys are the ones that I always looked up to. You know, of course, Curtis. It's Curtis Youngblood. I mean... Seriously, Curtis Youngblood. I miss that guy. But also Nick. 
Nick Maxwell, we're out there flying out at the farm one day, and it's me and a buddy of mine, uh, and then Nick, and I don't know, he's watching me fly and do something, you know, and I'm always asking people, what could I have done different, or what could I have done better? And Nick told me that that afternoon is uh, if you want to learn how to fly uh, and, and you want it to look good, make it intentional and make it repeatable. Easily said. Easily said. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's for sure. And so Richard knows me. Uh, several of the other guys that... Uh, will listen to this podcast will will also know me but they also know my flying style it's i branch out a little bit at a time but i'm usually pretty consistent about making sure my routine incorporates things that i know yeah you don't branch out you from what i see like as far as you can even some sometimes we have to force you into branching out to different stuff even though you can do a lot of stuff it's just not in your normal flight routine we have to push you sometimes sometimes you and uh you and sloan have have uh always pushed a little bit or try something a little bit different when you went out when you were out at the field a couple of saturdays ago richard you and I were standing next to each other on the flight line, both of us with her models, and you would go up and do something, and then I would go up and do something, and we were bouncing off of each other as far as challenging each other to do a specific maneuver in the air. Yeah, so so we pretty much did like the call-out challenge, but so we both had charged batteries. We went out to fly. And Kenny would say, I'm going to do this maneuver like funnels. I'm not good at funnels. So Kenny, Kenny would go up and fly, and he would he would do a funnel or specific flight. And I'm, mine is sitting on the ground with throttle hold on, and he's flying, and I'm watching it, trying to fly it with my sticks. I don't know if I told you I was doing that, Kenny, but as you were flying it, I was visualizing me flying it and moving my sticks just to help me a little bit. And then Kenny would land, and I would try to do that maneuver. And we would bounce back and forth. I think that's if you have a field where you don't have a bunch of plankers getting in the air and you have the flight time for to mess around like that. I say that's something for you guys to out there to try. It's definitely it pushes you a little bit, but it's definitely is fun. And instead of just burning through a battery pack in three and a half minutes, you we spent it was probably 15, 10 to 15 minutes. Probably. And it definitely was fun. It wasn't like just be pushing out a flight just because it felt like it had, when we were done with it, I felt like you helped me a lot as far as doing stuff that I normally wouldn't do in a normal flight routine. Well, the challenge of it was, is once I'd go up and do it uh, on the things that I was doing and then come back and land, like doing a funnel, then you and I talk about it. True. And then and then you would go out and do it. And so it, uh, it exposed weaknesses from in both accounts, mine and yours, on things that we could work on. And that, you know, you, you get into a routine of flying and you fly every weekend and you do your, whole, your, your own thing every weekend. 
and you know the new is is gone it's it's no longer new it's uh something you've done and you've repeated so many times that you just get into this uh almost this i'd say i would say it starts to get boring it does for me yeah it's if i don't change it up i don't i don't know if i've ever been bored flying uh flying rc helicopters is you know, probably the next best thing to a couple of things I won't talk about on the air. Nice. Kenny's pushing the limits on day one. <laughs> but uh, I'm, I'm the thing I'm trying to do is just is keep from getting complacent and doing the same thing over and over and over. You know, it's like uh, it's like the definition of insanity. Doing this definitely doing the same thing and expecting a different result. If you don't get out there and you don't push yourself or you don't and I'm talking about pushing yourself in a comfort. Um you know, flying on the edge without being completely out of control. True. Being safe. Being safe. Well, do you have anything else, Kenny? I'm not trying to cut you off, but I'm trying to keep it to Breaking a free fall record. <laughs> three plus hours. We'll definitely have you back. Yeah, that's very true. We'll definitely have you back next week. So if you, anything else you want to go over, just write it down. And okay. We can hit it again. Or if you think of something while we're going through, me or Brent, just jump in. There is no, no hurt in my feelings. I'll jump in next and try to get through some of mine a little bit faster than last week. <laughs> I'll get through it in the early stages so I can get something to drink at the end of this <laughs> podcast. <laughs> so like I said in the other one, I have this Innova 450 BD. Uh, I've been flying it a little bit. I've started to notice a couple tendencies in it that I like and don't like. The tail servo, I believe, started going out. And the head dampers, if I said it correctly, Kenny. Dampers, that is correct. Dampers. Kenny always gets on me when I, it's how I say it It's not dampeners. It's dampers. Dampers. <laughs> dampeners. dampeners. <laughs> they, the head has more of a wobble on the dampening, but it doesn't seem to affect the flightability for the head itself. Anyway, long story short, it's a cheap helicopter. It does not fly super good, but it's good for orientation and it's practicing, and it's cheap. I put a KST servo on it last week. It's a mini KST probably a $70 servo and the tail is acting a lot better, but I really don't want to be running a $70 servo on a $110 helicopter. So I'm probably going to put like a regular KST 215 in it. So, and I'll test that out. Also switched it to a hobby wing 50, which helped the governing of the head speed a lot more. It's fun. It's fun because it's cheap and it has helped me on orientations. I've been, flying and different stuff that I normally wouldn't do. You didn't even offer to let me fly that one last weekend. It flies really bad. <laughs> like I w Before with work this week, I charged up a, a battery for it, and I also charged up the Oxy-3 batteries. I put a flight on the KDS-450 first, and it flew good. The tail was holding good, and then I flew the Oxy-3 right behind it. 
and it felt like going from a fly barless helicopter to a fly barred helicopter. Just the way the Oxy-3 felt completely locked in. And I could see the difference how this 450 is going to help me because I have to, it takes more to fly it. It seems like to me. So I believe in, and in the long run, even, even if I crash it a couple of times and then I just throw it away, that's fine. But I believe I will keep it around because I think it's helping me fly the model better on other machines, if that makes any sense at all. The next I wanted to go over is the MSH380. I have the cheaper version of the MSH380. I've had the Evos in the past. And I think, Kenny, you have one, right? Yes, I do. So this is the, I wouldn't call it the MSH, but the, this is a whole another topic for a deep hold, the MSH XL. Is it XL? Is it MSH? Is it a Protos? <laughs> But it's the newer version of the MSH XL380, the $200 version. I had that for probably six months now. And that helicopter flies extremely well due to the power-to-weight ratio. If you guys ever have an opportunity or a chance to pick one up, uh, I would try to pick one up. Don't pass on it. It's, it's a really, really good helicopter for the price that you're getting. Uh, the quality of the machine is, is very good in my opinion. The upgrades I did to it, I have the metal slider that I stole from Kenny for it. And I have a speed up gear and red dampening. And that's all the upgrades I have. Everything else on the machine is stock. If you guys ever get to fly one, somebody, buddy yours has it at the field, take a flight on it. They're extremely good machines. Richard, what flight control do you have on that? That is that one I have tried. I had a Spartan on it that I pulled the Spartan off and I have a MSH brain two with a 50 amp jetty MUI. So I have the telemetry data. So I don't really like to run that at a moderately low head speed to get extended flight times. I can crank it up, but I prefer to run it due to the power to weight ratio at a lower head speed. Just to, I, I don't know, it's just me. It's, I like that really low and low head speed fluent type of stuff. So last week I said I had the 5.5 A5 stuff I needed to swap. I still have not swapped. I have a 5.5. I need to swap all the electronics back over to the A5. That has not happened yet. I'm still flying the 516 Synergy that I got. That machine is flying perfect. So I do need to work on swapping my KDS 5.5 electronics back over to the A5. Hopefully this week I find some time to get that done. I don't think it'll take very long, but it's one of those things I have to just sit down and I hate taking a flying machine apart and putting it on the bench, but we'll see. I'm going to try to do that this week and also going to try to move the carbon fiber boom from the 5.5 over to the A5 if it fits. I think it'll fit, but I'm not 100%. But I'll let you guys know next week if that worked out or if I actually do it. I should have time this week. The other correction, so I talked, I believe it was last episode, about how I moved the A7. I had some shaking on landing and taking off. Um, I said that was a phasing adjustment. Um, 
like I said last week, I don't know the terminology for this stuff. So my buddy, the scientist corrected me and said it was a swash Delta adjustment. So if you listen to the last episode, just make a note that was a Delta adjustment on the swash plate to head phasing so forth and so on. But I flew that model with Kenny two weeks ago. It was last weekend. I said two weeks ago, but it was last weekend. Oh yeah. Yeah. Time flies when you have fun. Last weekend, and it's perfect. There's no shaking on spool up or spool down the machines. Machines actually holding up really well. I'm very surprised. I won't go over my DX6. Oh, come on. Come on for me. (laughs) Hey, I flew a DX6 something. I think it was an I today and a flybard model. Oh yeah, yeah that that was uh, that was Nelson's DX6i, yes. right? And what what flyboard model was that? Uh, Nelson has an Align T Rex 500 flyboard, uh, the original 500 that uh, Align introduced, and he is still flying that. Um, and today he's having some problems with it, so I was. I was helping him out uh, just to verify that there's not a problem in him, not not that he has a problem, just saying in something that he was doing with the radio or... So that's what I was going to go over and not go over, but anyway, if anybody out there knows how to make a custom case, I, I have a DX6i here and the radio is, it's a good radio. I don't think there's anything wrong with it. I would love to make a custom case for it. I just hate the way the plastic, I mean, it's a $50 radio used, but I like it. It works for the sim. If anybody, I'd like to find a way to take the guts out of it and put it in like a custom case, either wood grain or something that somebody has never seen before that looked really cool. It's something I want to work on. It's been on my kind of bucket list or to do some searching for that type of stuff. Cause I actually like the gimbals and the radio and the sticks and the way everything feels. I just hate the, plasticky cheap way it looks did the dx6 that you flew kenny you kind of get the same response or feel well it's i fly a, a jetty radio as well and uh, you know going from jetty over to this dx6 the dx6 seemed again nothing against what nelson has it just it uh Nece- wasn't necessarily my cup of tea. Um, what? <laughs> <laughs> you mean DXXI doesn't compare to a Jetty? <laughs> no. <laughs> are Are you sure? Yeah. <laughs> be a- absolutely positive that you know. So I'm going to sell all my Jetty stuff and just just get DXXI. No, it's it's not that. It's you know if the if if that DXXI was my radio then it would probably be a little bit different because the gimbals would feel a little bit different. And yeah, the gimbals and all that stuff is normally a flying style. Yes, it is. And so that was part of the reason why I was trying it today is just to see if there was something odd about what he was doing compared to what I was doing and you know qualify why this machine is jumping around in the air and it's a flybard model. Uh, Did y'all get anywhere no, on it? We didn't. 
Okay. <laughs> and, well, there's a possibility. Uh, Nelson was going to go back and look at it and see. Good. Brent, have you ever flown anybody else's transmitters or helicopters? Um, I try not to. I have done like a buddy box, but that's about it. I try not to just because I, I don't want to get into that mess of... This goes back several years. Uh, I got to even think about how long it's how long it's been probably five six seven years ago now it was the field in Austin uh, ARCA uh, that's the name of the field Austin Radio Control Association we were out there flying and a couple of friends came in uh, that a younger kid his name was Carter he flew the E700 by Thunder Tiger is that right, Richard? I believe yes. that's right. Thunder Tiger, not Thunder right. Tiger. Right, well, I was just... <laughs> uh, I think that's a Netflix show. I'm not okay, 100% perfect. sure on that. <laughs> so anyway, yeah. he asked me if I wanted to fly his model. <laughs> and I said, I, I told him I'd love to. And he said, well, I don't have a canopy. And I said, well, I've never flown a helicopter naked if you will. Uh, but I said, yeah, sure. So it was me, Rod Carter. Uh, Rod and Carter were off to my left. I think uh, the uh, the other buddy of mine was to my right. And I'm in the air. And I've got plenty of distance between me and the ground. You know, I always, anytime I fly somebody else's model, I'm always up high enough. If I'm going to make a mistake, I'd, I try to keep from making a bad mistake, but make sure it's recoverable. But I've never flown a model up to that day without the canopy. Yeah, yeah. Well, it was later in the day, and the sun was coming overhead, and the model's up in the air. Of course, it's all black. And uh, it has uh, Nick Maxwell's <laughs> New blades. Uh, what was the name of those? Helix. So it had a brand new uh, set of blades on it. Yeah. Uh, Helix, yeah. And man, I lost this thing. I lost it. It lawn darted behind us. Oh, and no. when it hit, it had to go into a fence. Oh. And it not only went into a fence, it went through the fence. A wood picket fence. <laughs> there's this gaping hole. <laughs> I'm sure there's a friend of mine out there oh, that wow. still has a picture of that. Uh, <laughs> you should ask him about that, Richard. He can probably donate that picture. Yeah, for I'll have to ask Joe if he has that. I think it's Joe, right? No. Uh, anyway. We'll try to find it. It's, it's definitely out there on Facebook. Well, he's going to listen to this show. He already knows that I'm on the show tonight. Okay. And uh, he's been listening anyway, but he knows that I'm on the show tonight. So he's going to hear this part of it. Cool. Uh, and anyway, that model went through the fence. <laughs> it was bad. It was really, really bad. <laughs> that is a bad day and Rodden and Carter that, I mean they were awesome yeah, they that's were a bad day right it there was, there was no pressure all they could do was laugh 
And the only thing Rod could say, the only he said the only thing I'm mad about Kenny is I didn't have a video camera. Yeah. <laughs> but I could still see this model in the air, and I can still see it hitting the ground and go through the and going through that fence. Fence post. It was uh, it was unreal. It was a bad day, and you know, and Rod and Carter said they, you know, they offered me to fly, and I accepted. And so at that point, I accepted responsibility for that model. And uh, Rod just argued up one side and down the other as far as no, 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 don't worry about it. We got plenty of parts. I still bought a whole flipping set of parts just about it is it was expensive yeah definitely kenny step stepped up on that one for uh living it down yeah it's, i bet i think that one was close to 500 dollars in a repair nice <laughs> anyway i bought all the stuff that they needed they needed to do that they had to do the work you know but i'll never forget that day and still, Kenny flies other people's helicopters without caring. Well, I was asked to fly it in <laughs> in a diagnostic point of view. So yeah, that's awesome. Yes. Yeah, that's a that's one of the really good stories that Kenny has. That's he'll never live down at this point. <laughs> that is correct. So I'm finished up on mine. Uh, the only other thing I wanted to tell you guys is is uh, when I I fall in love with helicopters too fast. So I buy and sell a whole, whole bunch of helicopters. So when I say X, Y, or Z helicopters, the greatest, please take it with a grain of salt because two weeks later I may have sold the helicopter. You didn't sell your 516 already, did you? <laughs> no, the 516 is not sold. That one <laughs> That one has been one of the almost zero issues with the helicopter flying setup. As that I've had in a long time as far as there's no shakes. There's a little bit of a shake on a low head speed, but that's just uh, dampening. Damping <laughs> of the head is so rigid. <laughs> See, I have a tough time getting rid of saying that. But no, that helicopter's still around. <laughs> I don't, that won't, that's not going to go anywhere. Not anytime soon in the foreseeable future. Maybe three weeks, maybe two. <laughs> there you go. For this week, it's not for sale at this point we'll just we'll just leave it with that today and tomorrow it's not for sale after that it's all up in there <laughs> well before you decide to sell that model talk to me not yet yeah i don't believe i'm gonna sell that model i still want to stretch it to a 550 so that's it it's gonna be it's almost gonna be like the 5.5 to a5 taking apart a model that flies exactly the way you want to try something different it's going to be difficult but i do want to try the machine as a 550 i have all the parts so well just remember whenever you do that that stretching that and putting longer blades and more boom uh that model if something ever happens it's going to have a little more inertia hmm. i always like more inertia there you go <laughs> that's all i have brent so, um, well, it's been a few weeks. I started flying again a couple weeks ago. So I've been out um, every every weekend, the uh, last couple weekends on Saturday, and today I went out on Sunday. Um, 
had a good day today. Uh, went up to Phoenix area and flew with some of the guys up there. I ended up, well, this is probably more buy and sell. I ended up getting rid of all my nitro stuff. So I finally came to the conclusion that I'll never get into that. So I got rid of all that stuff and I got myself a Gowie X7FZ ready to fly. So I, I ended up mating in it today and it went really well and I really like how it flies. And it's my first 700 that I've flown in about six years. So that's pretty crazy. Besides that, I also picked up Gowie X42, which I'm going to eventually take the electronics out of my um, Align 500 that I have, put them in there. But like you guys have been talking about, like Richard's been talking about mostly, I have a nice flying heli right now, so I have no reason to take it out yet. So I'm going to give it a few weeks or so, and maybe I'll try taking it out then. But yeah, so just been doing a lot of that going back a few more weeks again um i got called out on the flight box for doing three consecutive aileron rolls which i did with a little oops at the at the end i lost a lot of uh, at least you were trying air airspeed and everything and i went right into the ground but I, yeah i tried it i tried it and i've been actually you know it was good because i've been uh when i got on the sim i tried doing it again and again and I'm getting better with it. So, hey, that the call out was uh, was good then. <laughs> kind of kind of found a little bit of a hole in something that you need to work on. Yes. Yep. Awesome. Yeah. Yep. So that that has helped a lot. Um, yeah. And I just wanted to end my segment by saying congrats to my friend Steve. He's the guy who got the X7FZ all up and ready and running for me. Um, up there in Phoenix. He joined Team Gowie USA a few weeks ago, so I wanted to congratulate him. He was a huge help to me um, getting this X7FZ up and up and running. So now I'm really excited to get back out to the field next weekend. So this is your first 700 in, in a while? I, it, yeah, it's back 2014. I had a Goblin 700 I bought, and I bought it It's stupidly i would say because i was nowhere near a 700 um you know ready for a 700 so i ended up selling that right away because it scared the crap out of me yeah this one when i flew it today you know Good. it's i don't feel any more scared than i do with like my 500 so um yeah it's just it's just more this bigger so it's more of a presence so just trying to get used to that before i really ring it out you know and that kind of thing but on the 700 stuff just to go back a couple years it was probably about the same time 2014 2015 2016 i had a goblin uh a buddy of my joe we bought two of them and i had it and it flew great and i was at the field one day at arca and there was a whole bunch of people there and i was flying on the main flight line and the model i was doing like loops not at myself but in front of myself and uh it got above me. It kind of, it didn't break the flight line, but I, mm -hmm. you know, it's one of those, you're doing a loop and you have to like hold your head back almost to where your hat falls off <laughs> loops. And I just spooked myself really bad that day. Cause I didn't want to oh, do it. Yeah, and it yeah. ended up doing it. And at that point I sold all the seven, I think I had one or two seven, seven hundreds. I sold them and went and moved back down to smaller models 
I felt like I needed to get better at that point. It's definitely, you have to know where your limits are and listen to yourself. It's, it's okay if you don't feel comfortable with the machine or if you need to do something different, don't just keep beating your head against the wall because everybody else is exactly. doing it. We're all different in this. Hey, Brent, what flight control system are you using on that? I um, actually went back to Icon Brain, Brain 2. So, and I went back to it because I was using Demon. And I went back to it just because it's a little bit easier for me where I'm at because um, the guy I fly with uses just icons. If I ever have troubles with something with the programming or whatever, I can always go to him instead of having to drive an hour and a half, two hours up to Phoenix to figure something out. So I stuck with uh, icon for that for right now, at least. Yeah, I ended up getting rid of my V control too. I was just using it for simming anyway, so ended up ordering myself a one of those uh, wireless spectrum uh, little USB things. The RX2 sim? Yeah, yeah. So I'm going to use that with my um, radio that I fly with, my DX8. So um, no, it's just still in the mail, so I'm waiting for it. It should be here next uh, week. I'm, I'm looking at mine right now. I I usually take an old sat that's kind of broken. You know how those sat, sat, sat wires will break off or something like that. Take like an old sat and mm-hmm. you know how, and just get a small wire and double side tape the sat to the top of the RX2 and just put the sat wire into it. Uh, the setup is a little difficult. I can't. I I know I could figure it okay. out again, but at this point, I don't touch the button to change the settings because you can do external receiver. You can do sat, you can do DSMX, DSM2, you can do S bus and there's only one button and like seven lights. So you may have, I always, I always had a little bit of a struggle getting it to work, but after it works, it's definitely solid. Uh, It's definitely something. If you guys are simming with the cord and you're getting tired of it, I definitely pick one of those up. Um, there's a lot of distributors here in the U.S. that are selling Next, and they they can bundle Next with that RX2 sim. Definitely worth it. So that's it for what we've been doing. Smoked through that so much faster than last week. <laughs> uh, I always like to go over what what videos you've been watching as far as like YouTube or helicopters and learning progression type stuff. I have that on the docket for like every week for us to go over. Just if somebody sees something, um, I'm going to hit on the first one, which is kind of fall into the news stuff, but the Kraken five, was it a five set five eighty? So the Kraken five eighty, they came out with a video today. They put it on Facebook. I saw it when I woke 580, up. This, yeah. uh, this is another show topic that I'm going to hit at, far as main topic at some point the video sucks who is Uh, the pilot i don't know who the pilot is because you can't see the helicopter flying they have trees in the background and he's flying so low you can't that you just can't see what's happening um i wish the model looks good and sounds good but as far as like being able to see the machine between the background and the helicopter itself is very difficult. So 
obviously didn't watch the whole video just because of that. So maybe in the end that he got mm. closer and you could see it, but I wish they would have picked a different flying location where they were on a hill or something like that, where you could get the blue sky or at least a sky in the background instead of trees. Just my humble opinion. I do like the machine. Yeah. I don't know about having a 580 blades. That kind of is odd to me. I don't know what you guys, y'all's opinion is of that, but. Yeah, I was thinking the same thing because they have, you know, there's so many 570 blades. That's the problem that I have with all of that. It's, you know, it's just oddball blades. I mean, and, and that doesn't mean that it's not a good blade or that it's not going to be, you know, a good fit for, for that size model or that that size model is the, like, perfect. Uh, but it's just, you know, you've got 600s, you've got 625s, and you've got... 700-ish, ranging from, what is it, 693 to 716s, and depending on the manufacturer. It's just, 580 is different, unique, and you're not going to find those very many places. Don't forget, they didn't, didn't they have a 630 at some point? The Goblin 6, 630? Yes, you are correct. Yeah, so... And Goblin's always been a little bit you know, they do something that's uh, outside the box. Outside the box, sure. I think that I would have. Pref- I don't know. I'm up up on the fence about this. I think they're competing with the Oxymeg, but I think I I would rather had seen a 550 dedicated machine. I don't I don't like the 600 size. 580 size 550s because then you, you're forcing yourself into having to go to a 12s and i still prefer a single 6s 550 520 setup myself true false <laughs> yeah i mean you don't have to run 12s on, on a lot of those um because i know like uh uh you know like new gawi too it's uh it can be run 6S or 12S, but um, I guess it depends on how you fly, really. Yeah, it's very true. The flying style will depict on how how much current you're pulling. I, I normally tend, when I start to get into the 550 machines, I start pulling a bunch of current. And getting above 550, now I'm, I don't know, I kind of feel like, I'll have to go 12S if I do a machine like that. And I really want to try a Goblin size since I haven't tried one in at least four or five. Yeah. And it's, years. I mean, I love, I love the crack and scheme and how it looks and everything. So it's kind of a little bit, probably, I mean, I don't know what the, the price range is, but it's going to be a little bit more affordable than the 700 for somebody who wants, um, well, I am working on a model. Uh, and it's an older model. It's an E5. Matt's had that model out for years already. Um, and I'm building that model up right now. I've been working on it for off and on for several weeks. Um, but I'm building that model up. I'm stretching it to a 600. So I'm, I've increased the tail gear ratio, so it's 4.5. I've stretched it to a 600. My intent on that model 
is for night flying and I am going to fly that one on 12S. I want it to have authority, power, uh, 12S is going to be a little bit heavier uh, but power to rate ratio with 600 size main blades I think it's just going to be an awesome setup. Yeah, you should have pl plenty of power with the 12S setup on that. And I've already got the blades. I've got the airframe just about built. I've got about half of the electronics in it. Uh, all I need to do is is finish the setup on that one right there. Uh, get the flight control unit on it and get the the hobby wing ESC on it and get everything programmed before I put the tail assembly on it. Tomorrow you'll have it ready? <laughs> well, maybe not quite yet. <laughs> I'm probably going to order I haven't ordered them yet, but I'm probably going to order a set of 600 main blades or 606, I guess, uh, just so I can fly it during the day. I don't want to fly the night blades during the day. Yeah, I don't think I have any 606s. Plenty of other stuff, but no 606, just plenty of 550 blades. So yeah, that's kind of new video that I've seen out there. Did you guys happen to see the video that was on um, the Hangout, I think it was, uh, from RCHO where they had a collision? The Kraken, and I can't remember what the other one was, but, and that was, was the, the Galway X7? Yeah, that's what it was. That's right. Ooh, that was, <laughs> that was nasty. Did you see it, Kenny? I did no? not see it. So it's they were RCHO night flying, and it was a Galway X7 and a Goblin Kraken, and they mid-aired in the lights. Nice. And it's just, I mean, it doesn't happen too often, and normally that stuff doesn't get caught on video, so it definitely was cool. Looked like both pilots were happy about it. There was no hard feelings set or anything like that. Yeah, I'll have to go look for that. Definitely. Definitely looks like a good group group of guys they got up there flying. We'll keep some of these others. There's a uh, some more videos we want to go over, but we'll keep save some of those for next week for you guys. The main topics. Anybody else have anything before we move it on? Uh, so main topics. I was asked by somebody at work to go over. I had a buddy at work that asked me about solder. He was like, what kind of solder do you guys use? And I was like, mm. you know, really, to be honest, before this year, every time I needed solder, I would just go to AutoZone and buy. It comes in a little spool, little roll, <clears throat> right? AutoZone or Walmart or Harbor Freight. Actually, not Harbor Freight, but Walmart, yep. O'Reilly, or something like that. I would go buy that little. <laughs> yeah. And it, it, you know, it would, it would last you know, for a month and then I have to get, go back out or it'd be three o'clock in the morning and I'm working on something and run out of solder. And I was like, geez, again, I'm out of solder. And I literally crawling around boxes, looking for a little piece to solder, like a, one more connection together. <laughs> um, but I was asked to ask what kind of solder I use. <clears throat> a couple months back, I asked a buddy of mine, and Kenny, what kind of solder they use just to figure out what to buy. Uh, they both didn't get back to me. So I went on Amazon and bought 
a roll of solder that I thought was correct and got it in and the solder worked and everything. But when it, every time it dried, it would look like a cold solder. It was really dull, wasn't shiny at all. And I used different heat guns and had different wires. And every time it dried, it just goes kind straight. of oxidized. It, it just would look like a cold solder, even though, I mean, you could just take a single strand of wire and solder it with, and it would just, when it dry, it would just go dull. It just looked bad. So I ended up getting with Kenny and them and asked them to take a picture of what kind of solder they're using and let me know exactly because I need to order some. At that point, I'd switched to the Amos 150 con connectors and they use a ton of solder to get them to get soldered up and connected. So they ended up, correct me if this is wrong, Kenny, but you guys pointed me towards the Kester 6337. Is that correct. correct? And I don't know where you guys came up with this or how you guys found it or tested, but um, I also was asked this week what the rosin to whatever the ratio was. Do you, do you recall what the ratio is exactly? I don't. Um, that probably goes in a little bit deeper than I've really ever looked at, at uh, solder. Uh, Actually, I think the name is what tells what and, it is. And it very well may be. I mean, the 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 solder that we're using, um, and I'm not. I can't take credit for this. This is. I've tried different solders. The scientist, he's tried different solders. Uh, we've different. We've we've used different soldering irons, uh, different size soldering tips. Uh, you know, just trying to figure out what works for what we're using. And he came across, uh, and I told him that we were going to talk about this, but he came across a solder. It was Kester 24-6337-0027. That's what I use. Now, his may be slightly different at this point in time, but that's what I've been using. That's the picture that I sent you, Richard. Yeah, that I've had, I would say, Good luck. I mean, you either have good luck or bad luck with well, solder. That right? solder right there, uh, you know, it's not just about the solder, but the solder is important. When when you solder uh, any type of connections together, it's the solder's got a, you know, it's got a melting point. It where it liquefies, and then and then as it, I don't know the correct term on this, but as the as those components basically fuse together they become one you know how it flows through that is important uh, the size of the wire of the solder is important too thick too thin you know too thin it takes a whole bunch of it too thick it's just hard to work with so the yeah I've, I've definitely seen since I've used just random solder before this at this point, I, I mean, if somebody had somebody like, Hey, do you have a spool? Can I have some? And I just wrap it around my hand and take it. I had no idea what it was or anything like that. So I completely agree. I've used some super thin solder before it works, but eh, this is way better in my opinion. Yeah. The solder that I have now, I have no reason to try anything different at this point unless they stop making it. And I have a bunch, so I don't, plan on running out anytime soon you know but the the solder is only as good as the device that 
that you're using with it. The solder and iron. So just 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 real quick, Kenny, I wanted to stop you just for, for you guys to know what this this Kester sixty three or Kester twenty four dash sixty three thirty seven. Uh, normally a pound of it, which is a d really decent size spool, runs you about thirty dollars. So it does cost a little bit more than going to AutoZone or O'Reilly's or your local store and getting that little bitty spool, but you will not have to buy any for a year or two. Just throwing that out there for you guys, how much it costs. It is more expensive, but it's, I, I wouldn't call it something that's, you know, crazy expensive. I think it's, I think the, for what you're getting for the quality and how much you get of it, I believe it's actually a really good deal. Yeah. Continue on. <laughs> yeah, it is. And, you know, you hear people talk about their, their, e, their, their EC5s desoldering or whatever connection it may be desoldering. And it's because, you know, there's a lot of current. Maybe there's some resistance. Maybe it was a cold solder joint. I don't know. Maybe it wicked up in there too far and it damaged the wire and it just couldn't handle the load. I've never had a connector ec5 or other desolder now yeah you were you were one of the uh ones that survived the bermuda triangle that we had last october yes well we all know somebody who had one desolder i think almost yeah, every this... one of our group uh, that that flies in our group had something desolder yes it was hot so yeah so i'll jump into that story real quick just to throw it out there for you guys so we had it out at apache pass we have oktoberfest they call it correct yes and it's a plane helicopter sport plane quads everything all at one place for two or three days it's like a kind of a joe knowledge and we were all out there i believe sloan was the first one he had a connector desolder during the daytime and didn't plow a model in but uh, crashed it a little bit, which we found kind of odd. Uh, they were EC5s. And then that afternoon, I had one desolder and crashed it. And then we had another guy at night that had one desolder and crashed it. It was hot, but it wasn't crazy hot. It wasn't 115 degrees hot. It was like 105 so degrees that, hot. Yeah, it wasn't that bad. It was pretty but hot. It, that's why I call it the Bermuda Triangle because – all of the pilots that crashed know how to solder, know how to set up a machine. It It's not like it was Joe Smo that just got into the hobby. All of us that crashed have 10 to 15 plus years in the hobby. So it was just really weird. Continue on. That was our story. It, it is. And EC5 Bermuda Triangle. And with that, um, whenever I do any soldering, and I have a Heiko soldering iron. Uh, but when I do any soldering iron, I look, the each solder uh, joint is unique. And I have a process, you know, that I'm, that I'm doing this in. I have a temperature range, especially with EC5s or, or AMOS because of the size of those um, connectors. Um, so I have a temperature range, 650-ish degrees. I clean the tip every single time that I'm soldering something. If if for something if for some reason or another it doesn't work out, I clean the tip again. 
I don't solder anything without cleaning the tip first. So what do you, so I'll explain. So when I clean the tip of my soldering iron, I usually have like a paper towel with water on it and I wipe it on it real quick and I continue on to the next process. Okay. <laughs> I don't, I don't have a dedicated, I need to buy one. I have no idea what to buy. I'm probably like everybody no, else. What, what you're using is fine, Richard. Uh, but it doesn't work very well. I know there's other, there's containers and stuff, right? That are made there for There is, that. there is. Uh, uh, but whenever I clean my, a, the tip, I just use a paper towel. I don't wet it. Uh, anytime that you wet it you're, and you touch that tip, you're shocking it in a way. And, and I don't know if that makes any difference or not. But I don't wet the paper towel. I wipe it down with a dry paper towel. You know, I don't leave it long enough huh. for it to start on fire. Yeah, or brown or get black, well, right? Well, sure, it may get black. I mean, you got a 650-degree iron, and then you're touching the, the paper towel. Something is going to change. But all that being said, uh, I have a process that I use to solder with, and I've practiced at it. It's not something... When I first started soldering EC5s, and you know, watch me tomorrow or next weekend, I'm going to have one that desolders. But uh, I do it the same way every single time. Um, and so far, you know, call it lucky, call it what you will, it's worked out. But soldering has a, there is a technique to soldering, and... I've seen a lot of people that have soldered things together, uh, you know, two wires together, uh, to an ESC, to an EC5, uh, whatever kind of connector it is, and I've seen some really, really, really uh, soldered joints. Or I thought we weren't going to talk about my solder joints <laughs> on the podcast. I mean, it's a truck. It's a trial. This is a trial, trial, trial and error. Is how I learned. I mean, it's not like. I thought you were talking about me. <laughs> it is. It is trial and error. Absolutely. Definitely. If if you're a new person, not new person, a hobby, but if you think you may not be doing it correctly, and go find somebody with some experience at the field or something, or if you're at uh, Funfly or somebody, just go. If you're kind of new in the hobby, go ask one of the pros. Ask them, hey, can you sit down with me for four or five minutes and show me how to do this correctly? Or ask them if you're doing it wrong because, heck, I've never even asked somebody. I may be doing it wrong, you know. I don't know if there's any, like, helicopter how-to solder videos out there. Maybe we can make one or something. Maybe Kenny can make one when he talks about setting up hobby wing ESCs or well, something. There's, uh there's some videos out there of guys doing some soldering on EC5s or other. And... Uh, and I'm not saying anything against what anybody else is doing. If it works for them, it works for me. Sure. But <laughs> it's I look at what they do, and <laughs> that's how I develop my technique of how I do it. And, uh, <laughs> you know, I've seen some videos that are, to me, in my opinion, are not quite up to what I would say is... Uh, I don't want to say good. I don't know what I'm trying to say. It's just, it's not up to my specification. It's just like they were talk, talking about on another podcast this week about helicopter videos and competition and what, what is exactly what maneuver. Um, I believe it was Steve was asking. 
what if, if there's any people can anybody can make a video right anybody can put something out and say this is the way you do it and it might be completely wrong right so i guess each one weighs its own depending on who does it or how you take the information or use it so anyway getting on to devices my soldering iron i have that i just buy at walmart or autozone and I use it until the tip burns itself off and I go buy another one. <laughs> so, so what I use is completely incorrect. Uh, Sloan found this last year. I don't know how he found it or came across it, but he came across this little bitty soldering iron. If you look at it, it's a little bit bigger than the size of a ball ballpoint pen. Uh, it's called a TS-100. Is that correct, That Kenny? is correct. So Brent, if you haven't seen this, uh, definitely check it out. It's yes, one hundred. Okay. Yeah, they it gets hot really fast. I don't know what the max temperature is. It's really hot, but and it cools down really fast. I believe the cool down and the heat up ratio is what really impressed me. It also has a accelerometer in it. Is that right, Kenny? that if you don't touch the soldering iron, if the soldering iron doesn't move within X amount of time, it'll shut itself that down. That is correct. And and so the, the temp range on this thing is is a little over 200 degrees up to about 750. Oh, wow. Uh, so it's doable. Yeah, and 750 is hot. That's 400C, you know, and... I've actually soldered at 750 or 400C. Whenever you're using the the uh soldering iron there's there's a gauge there and you can th this is uh you just set it at whatever temperature or celsius that you're degrees in celsius that you're looking for and i even think that there's a firmware update to where you can set this in fahrenheit uh a firmware update for my soldering iron it's it's open source so there's people that are doing things with this thing. <laughs> and the nice thing about the TS-100 is you can use a 6S, like a 1,000 milliamp hour battery, and use it at the field. If if you don't know what an AS and and an AMOS 150 connector is, oh, nice. it's a big freaking connector, seven millimeters. Isn't that right? Yes. Correct. Yes. And and Richard was right. It takes a lot of solder to to yeah. use that. Um, and the tip that comes with it will work. You know, it, I don't know. There's some debate on that one right there on whether to use that tip or maybe a little bit larger one. But the soldering iron works really, really well. And it comes with a 6S... Uh, so an XT60 connector to the connector pin that actually goes into the solder and iron, and it also comes with an AC cord with what I believe, I don't remember what the voltage is coming out of that. I believe it was 12 volts. I'm looking it up right now. So for the combo, I believe for the combo with the power, power adapter plug is $70. And now there's still my Heiko. I I've got I'm gonna call it an analog. It it's a it's just got a 
a uh, a knob uh, rather than LED or LCD display and so I set it on the temperature gauge that I want and I have found you know to, ha to have a nice tip nice size tip for soldering uh, there is you know the Heiko I think works better on like the Amos 150 connectors but I don't know what this Heiko Heiko is this terminology a Heiko is there. a brand a brand of what? soldering irons Oh, okay. So it's just a different brand. Sorry, I'm sorry. I just you started using terminology that Heiko is is name brand. It's like uh, Dewalt or yeah. There's there's a oh, what's the other soldering iron? AutoZone, Walmart that I use. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just punching my sponsors in there while I can. <laughs> <laughs> No, uh, the voltage for this is twelve to twenty-four volts. Is the voltage? See, I think I think the the uh, that AC adapter. I think the voltage coming out of that it's, it's DC coming out, but I think it's just Correct. less than twenty volts. I think it's around nineteen something, if I remember right. Yeah, that would put it in the ballpark. But if you use a six S one thousand milliamp battery that's been charged, you're going to get twenty. Four volts plus, uh, and man, that thing works great with a battery. Yeah, it 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 kind of it's kind of worth it if you're at the a fun fly. I don't know if you guys have ever been Brent. You've ever been at a fun fly or something like that and trying to solder something out in open air. You y'all probably don't have this problem since it's 110 degrees there all the time. Oh no, I haven't. I've tried to solder stuff at a fun fly out sitting in a bench underneath the canopy top and the wind's blowing. It's almost impossible with like my Walmart type stuff, mm -hmm. but, and you have to have power. So you have to have a plug. So be it that this is either AC or you can make a connector to plug into a three S LiPo or a four S LiPo or six S LiPo that we all have around. So you, you don't have to have AC. You could be at a park or at a field and need to solder something and it works. That's what I liked about it is you have the option where my soldering iron that I get from Joe flow, it's always, you know, one ten. So I, I just find it where it's the compact, how it's compact and small and you have the option of AC or DC. It works great. I don't, actually own one but it's it's on my list for santa for this next year let's just take it take it with it it works it's very compact it's like holding a pin when you're using when you it. plug this thing in it heats up in three seconds yes yeah, i mean it's fast and that's because it, there's no gap uh no air gap between the uh the element where it's that's heating up the barrel on most soldering irons. Uh, is there a fuel tank to put nitro in it so it can run it? I mean, not to go on a nitro electric rant, but you know. Yeah, nitro fixes everything. <laughs> I could use some nitro soldering iron. Funny, but no, guys, that's <laughs> that's what is on my docket to buy. If you guys. Uh, ever get one or get to see somebody that has one they're very impressive soldering irons for for what you're paying for the price very portable you should take a picture and post it on the on your 
Facebook page. Yeah, well, I ha I have it up right now on on Amazon. I'm not buying it. I'm not clicking the button. Maybe later. You should buy it. <laughs> I know I should buy it. <laughs> I need one. The the one I have now, like the it's like a craftsman that came with a bunch of free stuff that I got from a guy. And the tip is just eating itself. I literally have to dunk the tip into rosin and then retent the tip. It's horrible. Don't do what I'm doing. Guys, go buy a quality iron. If you're going to stay in this hobby, go buy quality iron. Go buy a package <laughs> of 1,000 zip ties. You're going to hey, need I've, it. You'll I, use I've it. got a Radio Shack 40-watt uh, soldering iron. That works really good. I use that for years. I use that one. Don't throw it away. I mean, I, I could definitely could use it at this point, maybe. I'll, I'll tell you what, Richard. You can have it. <laughs> awesome. So maybe next year I'll buy this uh, TS-100. <laughs> Kenny keeps floating the boat barely for me. Nice. So that was one of the main topics that we had. Um, the other one I wanted to go over with, try not to touch on too much. No, it's kind of getting a little bit late, but we're we don't have too much on the news. But... Dealing with the crash. I don't know how you guys – I crashed – what did I crash the other week? Oh, I crashed the uh, 450 Innova. And I've seen other people crash. I don't know how you guys deal with it. I deal with it horribly, uh, even though I, would, I may not show it, but I definitely get a little butt hurt. I want to cry inside, crawl up in a ball, go home. Brent, how do you deal with it as far as – or do you just never crash? Yeah. Um, I, just, I don't fly enough to crash, unfortunately, but I have, I had a pretty bad one before and it was mechanical, which is, I don't know if it's more annoying than uh dumb thumb, but yeah, I crashed my X3. I used to have a Gaui X3 and I, something just seized up and I think it might've been a servo. And I went in and I could never find the whole tail assembly. It was gone. You know, like I scorpioned the tail, the tail was standing straight up, but yeah, but the, the tail blades, the tail assembly, everything that was gone. And I looked all through the field, could never find it still to this day. I haven't found it. You who do you need it? I who needed it. Yeah. You're there, buried it in the ground, but, but yeah, I don't, I don't, I mean, knock on wood. I don't, um, I don't crash a lot, mainly because I don't, um, I don't fly enough, really. And then also, I don't push myself. I'm just starting to really push myself, so I could see myself crashing some more, especially my 500. Um, now that I'm, now that I have more than one flying heli, I'll definitely be pushing myself more. So, well, get back with us the next time you uh, you crash and kind of let us know. For me, myself, I have to like, it takes me about two days to get over it. I'm not like throwing stuff pissed off or anything like that, but it definitely, it, it, it bothers me a little bit. True. And Kenny, you never crash, so it doesn't matter. Sure, I do. Re-kit them. When I crash, I might as well re-kit. I've had a couple of doozies. Yeah. The, the, the only time it bothers me is when the crash parts cost more than the model cost. It's going to happen. Uh, well, I know, but that's the only time it, 
it bothers me. And not not that it's it's not that it necessarily bothered me about the crash because it's crash is a crash. It, it's uh I don't really think about them anymore. The part that bothers me is when you start when you start buying the parts to rebuild the model. At some point in time, you become, uh, you know, it you you you've gone over that threshold where you can't really stop anymore. And you either finish buying the parts to repair the model. Or you stop and you gather your thoughts and you buy another model. <laughs> you you could just repackage all the parts and send them back, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> but like I decided I'm gonna send all these back and just buy a kit. Is that cool? Changed my mind. I changed yeah. my mind. Yeah, and so this consequently this this uh, this past year towards the end of the year, I had a a uh, nasty crash and. Uh, and it turned out to be one of the most expensive crashes that I've ever had. And that's because I did exactly that. I went too far. And then I was so far into the rebuild that I just really couldn't stop. And and that's just not in my nature. I'm not going to stop. I'm, I'm going to rebuild something. Even if it's to rebuild to get rid of, I'm going to rebuild it. I'm going to finish what I started. <laughs> so I would qualify that with Kenny gets over it with trying to get it put back together yes right yes. i mean i mean that's i'm just trying to go over like how you how you deal with it and how you get over with it how you get through it i would qualify that as getting it back put back together yeah i just and maybe sometimes too fast and oh not thinking enough if it's a kit or re-kit or how close you are to ratio back and forth yeah and then <laughs> in in that particular instance i was chatting with the gentleman that was shipping me parts and probably about the third time that I had to order something after the fact after I already got the main set of parts in uh, that individual came back to me and said you just should you should have just bought a new kit yeah yeah for sure <laughs> that's like pouring salt onto an open wound <laughs> it definitely happens it's something if you're into this hobby, you're going to have to deal with a crash at some point. Uh, I wouldn't say, I would almost say it's almost as important as learning a new maneuver and trying to find a, a way out of it. I would say a recovery mode or what am I looking for? The terminology. First, if you're trying to do a funnel or hurricane, try to find a way, if it doesn't work out, how you're going to recover. So yeah, up. Uh, yeah, like a belt lock. Try to try to have a plan mentally. If you're into this hobby and you're flying, have something that you know, like, okay, if I crash, I'm going to deal with it like X, Y, or Z. Kind of just get yourself prepared mentally because you're going to have some some mental stuff that's going to be different yeah. from <laughs> any other hobby that you've done in the past. So definitely work on it before it happens because then – you kind of have a plan like after the crash happens, like, okay, I, I told myself this was going to happen and I'm going to do X, Y, or Z. I think that'll help. Yeah. One of the hardest things about a crash is it's always the blades. You know, that's like an whole, that's always an extra large uh, portion of your rebuild too. Yeah. yeah definitely blades. Now that, 
when I crash, you know, it's I'm not made of money. First off, uh, when I crash, it hits the back pocket, you know. And but what I'm, I've had a lot of people that's outside of the hobby has asked me, "Have you ever crashed that?" Well, okay, that, yeah, that's a dumb question. <laughs> uh, sure, I've crashed it, and they said, "Well, aren't those expensive to rebuild?" And you know, that's just what I've decided is that I'm in this hobby. It's part of my life. And if I crash, I crash. It it does not affect me in in at any amount as far as what I'm gonna do next weekend. Next weekend I'm gonna book put my big big boy pants on and I'm gonna go fly. Um that's now now there is a difference between like years ago whenever I used to fly and I crash and you know and the first thing I do is turn around and is anybody watching you know did they see that <laughs> <laughs> and and then I realize you know it's uh after watching Curtis and Nick and Alan Zabo and Bobby Watts and all the big names out there when you see those guys crash and they turn around and they've got a smile on their face and they, you know, may not stomp the ground, but, you know, do some kind of little, dang it, I just did that. And it's no big deal. <laughs> That's the thing that I've learned to accept. If I crash, I crash. It's no big deal. It's not going to change who I am or what I do. True. And that's definitely a good mindset to go into it with knowing ahead of time that 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 comes with time though I mean after you've been in the hobby for forty fifty years right Kenny I'm uh, not that old <laughs> <laughs> no uh I was gonna touch on uh s r c real quick about crashing and getting over it. I was at s r c and Curtis had his uh was it six thirty five prototype yes. And he was just coming out with it and he was doing a demo flight on Saturday at noon and he was doing, he was going to cut the grass, but at this field, the grass really was almost dirt, really small. And uh, he ended up plowing them. He touched the blades and the model just ate itself. The blades disintegrated, the safety wire wrapped around the main shaft about 35 times. And that was probably one of the, the only time I saw Curtis actually put a model in. And he was, he was quite upset. From what I could see, he was not happy. <laughs> I don't, I don't know Kenny's vantage vantage point of it, but from where I was sitting, it looked like he was not happy with, with himself at 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 that point. Uh, well, I don't think Curtis was was uh, necessarily. I don't think he was mad at himself. I just, it's when he puts the model together. You know, he's he's put in a lot of models. By the way, I mean he's crashed many times. And he's no different from the rest of us uh, as far as that's concerned, you know, because things happen. You can't prevent it. You can't uh, foresee it. Well, some might be able to, but uh, most people that I know, if they're going to crash, it usually just happens. And um, the only time that I really hate a crash is is when I don't know why it crashed. 
when I can't rule out electronics and I can't rule out a dumb thumb, was it me, you know, was it the Energizer bunny ran out of coin? True. I completely agree with all those mindsets and stuff like that. So we'll move it on. If you guys have any feedback or anything like that, uh, let us know. Let us know if you have anything that touches on that topic of how to deal with it besides what we went over. Uh, that's it for main topics. We touched on a little bit of news. Uh, looks like the Protoss Nitro people are starting to get it and build it. I haven't seen one in person. Hopefully get to see one eventually. I've seen videos. Uh, Alex uh, has posted some videos of him flying the, the Protoss Nitro. Was that the new one or was that the that's old the one? That's the new one. Okay. Remember, you used to be on the Only Fine Helis team. You're not getting those <laughs> updates anymore. Yeah, some somebody quit. Sponsorship uh, got old. No, it didn't. Sponsorship got Come old. Come on. Yeah, I'll be back eventually, but right now I have to test some other waters out. I have to drink the Kool-Aid from the other manufacturers for a while. But anyway, uh, the Logo 200, other podcasts have mentioned it. It's out. I don't believe I have any more news besides what they went over. We still don't know what the ready-to-fly and buy-to-fly difference is. Was there a price on it yet? Yeah, there's a 499 buy to fly and a 599 ready-to-fly. Some of the other podcasts went over it, but uh, ready-to-fly in the e-flight world would mean it comes with a battery, a charger, and a radio. So ready to fly, what kind of radio is it going to come with? Nobody, we haven't figured that one out yet. For a hundred bucks. Or maybe a hundred bucks more, you get a radio. And a charger. Supposedly, <laughs> I mean, that's how E-Flight does it. So yeah, it's... as soon as we get more information from, from Mikado on what ready to fly actually is going to be your heli direct, uh, we'll get you guys updated eventually definitely uh i saw kenny had the m2 uh last weekend when i went out and saw it looks like a decent machine the logo is going to be almost the same thing with some tweaks so we'll see eventually um i will not be buying one we can just put that on the list now same here (laughs) yeah i will not be buying a logo 200 yeah i wish they would have came out with a 380 just personal opinion and not wasted time on this. I wish they would have came out with the 380. Or if Synergy ever comes out with the 380, would be nice. More 380s, less 200s. <laughs> I have made that suggestion to Matt. Uh, where that goes, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I know it's a lot, a lot of work on his part and stuff, so forth and so on, and that market's flooded trying to get into a market that already has, you know, 10 plus helicopters and it's difficult. Completely agree. I'll talk to Shannon about that. Uh, Shannon Turner at Only Find Helis. I'll talk to him about that and see if he can't pull Matt's string and get talk him into buying <laughs> building a little bit smaller model as well. I'd, I'd like to stay away from the 480 size stuff. I definitely want something success 1800 range. It's just personal opinion, but it, that market is flooded and trying to compete with a XL power that comes in at one ninety nine 
that's actually a really good machine or their new Evo version that's 349 is going to be difficult. I would completely, I see his point, the money to income ratio just doesn't, it's just not there. But you guys have anything else to go over? I kind of pushed through the end of this pretty quick because I'm trying to keep it semi-short. Uh, buy and sell. I bought some 840 millimeter rotor tech blades this morning. Just throw that out there. What size? 840. 840 millimeter rotor techs. For? For, for what? <laughs> so my buddy at work, Ashton, that Kenny knows, uh, he's been buying stuff up like crazy. He, he told me last night at work, he's, he said, uh, there, there's some rotor techs online. They're 15 years old. Do you think they're worth it? And I was like, what size are they? He said, they're 800s. And I was like, what are you going to put 800s on? And I was like, how much are they? He said, they're $40. Well, I guess they'd be worth it. <laughs> so we looked it up. We were at the end of our work shift, and uh, he said, there's only 20 minutes left. And we had some stuff we had to stay late to take care of. And he said, there's only 20 minutes left in, in the thing. So so I logged in and looked at it, and I was like, you know those are semi-symmetrical 840-millimeter blades, right? <laughs> <laughs> he, was, he said, I was like, you're not going to be able to flip it and fly upside down or anything like that. He said, I don't care. So I put it, put in a bid for him and bought them. <laughs> what is he going to use them for? I have no idea. He's going to, it's, I don't know. I actually don't think it's a bad idea just to put them on the wall. I mean, 840 yeah, millimeter blades. Pretty cool. Pretty cool. Look at it. So, but it's, so it's going to be cool to see. So I'll let you guys know when I get them in. It's, they're probably going to be shipped in a 18 wheeler. <laughs> he, he could be buying them and then figuring out what model to build around them. True. And like he didn't know semi-symmetrical, but, but he has a bunch of logos that he picked up. So he could do a super stretch on a logo or something and just make something crazy scale. Who knows? Eh, for 40 bucks, what does it matter? It's 840 millimeter blades for 40 something dollars shipped. Yeah, not bad at all. If that. you ever use them, I have no idea. It may be a waste of money, but who knows? Yeah, it's, <laughs> it, it's definitely going to be cool to at least yeah, see them. something cool to have, you know. That was my buy and sell. <laughs> awesome. You guys have anything else? I don't think so. If We'll go through the show notes, guys. If there's anything we missed, we'll move it over to next week. We'll try to – next week will be a little bit easier on me as far as – Getting a recording out there. So Brent, you want to wrap sure. it up? You got anything else, Kenny? We'll go over uh, emails. I can never remember my emails. If you guys need to contact me, you can contact me at Facebook at HoudiniRCHeli at gmail.com. Contact me at that email or on Facebook. You can contact me at Richard Spiegel on Facebook. Send me a private message. Any of those will work. Kenny, how would they be able to get a hold of you? Uh, so just message me on Facebook. Uh, again, my name is Kenny Sierra. If I can help with something, absolutely let me know. Perfect. Brent? Yeah, you can contact me on Facebook also uh, under Brent Gottlieber. Just send me a private message. And then I'm also on uh, HeliFreak under the username Teacher Brent. I'm, I'm there once in a while. So you can uh, send me a PM that over there too. And the outro, Brent. All right. We'd like to thank the other podcasts that 
have inspired us and of course give us more things to listen to during the week we have the heli heads that skids yard sale gucci and fence post the freefall rc podcast with kevin steve andy and george missed uh, george on this this past week's podcast skids up with paul frank and javier they've had a couple of new ones the last couple of weeks uh the bk podcast with bert and kyle Telerotor with Rich, Michael, Robert, and Mike. In uh, somebody else want to do inverted down under? Inverted down under with Ozzy Mozzy. There you go, and Jeff Smart. Uh, there you go. You yeah, I have Jeff Smart down, but I have to get Ozzy Mozzy down. Uh, the RC Element podcast with Todd, and then cue the sad music. B- Bill and Two has officially been shut down. I heard so. Yeah, really? yeah, I heard it on Facebook, so I guess it must have been that Bill and Three shut it down with that 3D. Printing. Yeah, yeah, so I guess no more. Now I I won't know how to make a frozen pizza or you know slice and bake slice cookies and, and yeah. What am I gonna do? I'm gonna starve. But anyway, you nice. can still check him out at his original Bill and YouTube channel. So check that out. Is that it? Appreciate it, guys. Um, Enjoyed having you on, Kenny. We'll try to not push this out too long. Is he still awake? I'm still awake. Oh, okay. I thought I lost you there for a little bit. <laughs> no, just listening. We'll try to keep this semi-short without trying to be too short. Uh, let us let us know, guys, if you guys like the timing or anything that you want us to improve upon. We'll definitely take some feedback, good or bad. It all works. So appreciate it, guys. Thank you very much. Thank you, guys. Stay in the box. Don't escape. Later. 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 See ya. Beep. That was my attempt at a beep. If you've made it this far, you may enjoy the outtakes. From Houdini RC Heli Podcast. Enjoy. My precious. Here they come. That was uh, that was a time to remember. Banging out. Still stuck, but how do I mute it again? Just M probably? Yeah, M is mute. I've had a couple of doozies. Big big boy pants on and I'm going to go fly. Is anybody watching? Anybody watching? I'm not that old. <laughs> Did he leave? Did he leave? Did he leave? Yeah. That guy used to listen to him when he was on with Chris. Yeah. It went in. <laughs> and every everybody around us knew. Like you're talking about like ten to twenty people around us knew like what was going on and Kenny walked up and it was like <sighs> he was so pissed off <laughs> he started laughing oh that's funny I've tried one yeah where we, I don't know where we left off Jerry went through all your stuff Let's do let's let's do with
uh, watch. Yeah, we'll, we'll start with watch. All right, Britton, what's, what's with uh, watch? What have you watched lately? All right, the bus, the bus is coming. Bus is coming. Bus is coming. Bus is coming. Ready? For what's new? What's new? What's new? All right, Brent, what's... Uh, oh. Brent, what's new in the hobby? I think you were... Maybe I was drunk, Brent? Maybe? Maybe there's more to come. Let's see what I can take out of the vault. For you guys, RCODDLE podcast. So, outro. Yes, the outro is yours. <laughs> Ozzy Bozzin, just smart. I need to make some cookies. I need to make some cookies. I need to make some cookies. Yep. Hell yeah. We well, appreciate appreciate the podcast. I appreciate you guys listening to us. Uh maybe next week we'll do chapter five. Wait, that was chapter five. Chapter six next week. Right? Later guys. Audacity is pissing me off and the zoom and all these files everywhere I'm going crazy guys you guys need to help me out I can ask and ask asking you guys for help and nobody wants to help the helicopter guys they want to let the helicopter guys fall on their ass oh my god Audacity is killing me man killing me nobody wants to help Nobody want to help. We tried to get the guys up from the border and no, they built the wall. I can't get them to help me no more. Eww. I need some help around here. Come on, guys. The guys from the north, they have the corona. The guys from the south, they had the wall. The east and west, they fight each other. I don't know. I need I need help, guys. I don't need I, I don't need to you guys to worry about the coronavirus. I don't have the virus. Come help me. I need help to do the podcast for the Houdini. Jeez. I never fly without a canopy, but I have flown naked. See you guys next week. Stay in the box. Don't escape.